Let's, let's give it up one more time for all the people who were baptized today. Bam! I, I am just, I'm just so excited for your lives and everything that God has for you. And it would just be appropriate for me to talk with you about water baptism today. And that's what I want to do. I want to do two things. I'm going to very quickly teach and then preach where water baptism comes from. In fact, right here we have baptism tanks. But if you were Jewish before the time of Jesus, you would call these mikvaot. Try that with me. I'm going to get you to say something Hebrew. Say mikvah, and it's not Irish. Mikvaot. Mikvaot. All right? Mikvaot. And that literally is seen for the first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, where it says in Hebrew that God separated the waters from the waters. It literally means he gathered waters together. And what does water represent? It represents cleansing. It represents new life. In fact, to really understand what's going on in baptism from its origin, most of us don't realize how big of a shadow Christianity casts over baptism, that we don't realize that baptism in the Jewish world was like what we did it today, where they immersed themselves. And we think that baptism began in the Jordan River. And we, we hear the story of John the Baptist. And another mistake as Christians we would make is that baptism began with John the Baptist, and then it went and pointed to Jesus, and that's all there was. But there's so much more to it, and there are so many beautiful meanings to this that I want to just walk you through it. Because typically, you pinch somebody's nose, you dip them back, and you could do this. In fact, all these pictures are places we'll see when we go to Israel. This is the Upper Jordan River. Anybody out there on the Israel trip say, whoot? Yep, we are going to Israel, and there's more space if you want to go. The fighting's over. And what they would do is, is they would baptize. The best place to do it would be in what's called living waters outside. And when we think of Christian baptism, we think of that, somebody dipping somebody. But originally in Judaism, because it was your decision, you would baptize yourself, and you would immerse yourself three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you would listen to this. Here's the language that's so cool about this. This, before it was used for Christian baptism, was used for people who were, who were dedicating their life to the God of Israel. So evangelism, salvation, all of these things were happening prior to Jesus through Judaism. And then Jesus came as the Lamb of God who died once for all sin. Some of the traditions of Judaism carried over into Christianity. Water baptism and communion. And then most of them, many of them didn't. Now, I have friends who are Messianic Jews, and they still eat the dietary laws. They still use all of the traditions that are connected with it, and they say, this is our thing. We're doing this because we love God. But when the early church realized that you and I, Gentiles, people who were not Jewish, were putting their faith in the God of Israel, they said, what can we require of them? Do they have to eat kosher food? No. Do they need to? And they said, no. You know what? They need to be dedicated to, to God. And in this case, when Christ went from being the Jewish savior to the savior of all people, and that message went out to the entire world. They said they need to be baptized in Christ, and they need to partake in communion. Listen to the language that is similar to how the Jews would use for this. Whenever somebody converted and came to the God of Israel, and whenever anybody came to Christ and was baptized, 
they called the mikvah, listen to this, the womb of the world. And listen to these languages. You'll be surprised in how much we actually owe to our Savior who was Jewish and is Savior of all Jews and Gentiles. But listen to this. When you went in, you were baptized in living waters. Jesus said anyone who would follow me that living waters would spring up within them, moving waters. He says that you would go down in water and you would come out, listen to this, in newness of life, newness of life in the spirit. You were, listen to this, this is not Christianity, this is Judaism, you were born again. And guess who all of the people were standing around witnessing that? They were called the family of God. We owe so much to the Jewish people because they gave us the savior of the world. But we are not called to be Jews, and I'm not giving up bacon. And I hope we got pulled pork at, at a couple of these barbecues because it's going to happen. But, but you look at this, this word mikvah, and it's literally that whole phrase of waters that were gathered together is literally gathering waters or mikvah, mikvahot. And you see these all throughout the ancient world prior to Jesus ever showing up on the scene. In fact, they would put a little divider there so that the dirty water wouldn't mix with the clean water. And now it wasn't, it wasn't that they were doing this uh, because they thought that this would forgive their sins. They weren't doing this because they thought that this is what made them right with God. Because it even says in Jewish literature, it said that, that anyone who is baptized but has no desire to change their life and just care, carelessly just goes forward in reckless deeds with no guilty conscience, that that was actually the baptism did nothing for them. Now, we know that with Jesus, it's not perfection, it's direction. We all stumble in many ways. Those of you that were baptized today, you're going to come short of the glory of God. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make bad decisions. But it's at that point, instead of running away from God, you should turn to him. Instead of isolating yourself and pulling away from people, you should open up your life and do what the Bible says in James, confess your sins one to another because that's what family's for and that we might be restored together. But here they did all of these different kind of things, and they would do it for they would do it for vessels. In fact, in the Old Testament, the priests were immersed to be prepared for ministry. In Leviticus, stuff was immersed, you know, items for the temple. And then, in fact, the one guy who was not even a Jew, his name was Naaman. He came. He had leprosy. There was a young girl who said, "If you come to my country, there's this man of God, and he can heal you." And his name was Elijah. And Elijah said, "Elijah said, dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be cleaned." And the guy just did it, and he came out and he was cleansed. So we see this at work all throughout the Old Testament, and now you get it moving forward into the time of Jesus. You would be like a newborn child coming to God. And here's the shift. The shift comes in the New Testament. John the Baptist is a man who is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying things like this. He's saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, don't just go back to the way you always lived, but live your life different. Live it new. Produce fruit that is good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes work. Fruit takes water. Fruit doesn't come easy, but if you stick at it long enough, sooner or later, fruit will be producing in your life. And right now, even though you got baptized, although this week you might not feel very Christian, God is at 
at work in your life and you are going to produce fruit and you're going to be able to talk to friends with struggles and people with differences. And you're going to say, hey, listen, I, is it okay if I pray with you? And all of a sudden you're going to be that person that dares to do that and a prayer is going to be a game changer for somebody's life. Oh, if the church, if the church just used those lines more to just when somebody is venting their problem and their, their, their divorce or their difficulties at work and their difficulties, if you, instead of saying, man, I know, you know, that must be tough and if you just turned around and said something as simple as, would it be okay if I pray with you? Man, God would show up at that moment more powerful than he does at any song service we ever experience in this place. Believe it with all my heart. Now, how many of you grew up in the Catholic church or a traditional church? You've seen it, right? And you ever see where the priest comes out and he's sprinkling water at everybody and you're like, what in the world's going on, right? Well, here's the thing. The word baptize in the New Testament literally means to immerse completely. So this is why we do this. And secondly, to be baptized means you're making a decision. What you're saying is Jesus is my Lord. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was put in a tomb and physically died. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe with all of my heart that one day, even though I may die, maybe it'll be in a car accident as a young adult. Maybe it will be of old age when I'm older. But regardless of that, through my faith and trust in Jesus, not in me being a good person, not in me doing good works, not in me trying to make up for the bad things I did, but because I continually come back to him for his grace and trust him for his mercy, that one day, just as sure as I went in that water and came out, that I will raise from the dead and be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. That's the gospel. Anyone, thousands of people died on crosses. Only one rose from the dead. Only one. Now, in the early church, they got real practical, and this is my last teaching point I want to show you, but they, they realized, and Judaism, Judaism, you could go to this place. Doesn't that look like, you ever go to those, those like best Western motels and the pool is like so lame? You're kind of like, wait a second, I paid like 150 bucks for this. Well, that actually, what you're looking at, even to this day in synagogues, every synagogue has one of these things, these, these mikvahs. But in the time of Jesus, we have over 500 of them at the temple. People would walk down one side, dip themselves, walk up the other side. Same kind of concept as this. And in order to go into church, you had to immerse yourself. And in fact, one of my friends who is an archaeologist in Jerusalem, you can't put a shovel in the ground without permission. His name is Eli Shukron, and he found these tokens that they were giving back in the time of Jesus that if you dipped yourself, if you immersed yourself, you got one of these tokens and that was proof that you could actually walk on the temple because they didn't want it to be defiled. Now, I am so grateful that the thing that didn't pass to us from Judaism to Christianity was this ongoing daily constant dip for this, dip for that, splint, but, but the proselyte, the, the born again, experience of being baptized into the faith that is precious and it is one of the things that Jesus said to the world and to the church he and the church did it they said believe and be baptized Peter preached that believe and be baptized listen if you're here and you're a follower of Christ and you have put your faith and your belief in Jesus and you have never been baptized I'm not going to put it like this to say like you're living in disobedience and lightning from heaven is going to fall, but you're missing out on the experience and the whole purpose of like letting everybody know I have had an inward experience. 
I am changed and I'm going to shout it out. And I'll tell you what, it would be wonderful to see more of us to, be, to have to do another baptism service in the near future because there are some of you that said, you know what? I never got baptized and I believed in Jesus. Now listen, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. This isn't a passage to heaven. The thief that was on the cross, he turned to Jesus and he yelled at the other guy. He said, listen, he said, stop mocking him. You and I belong to be here. This man's innocent. And Jesus says to him this, he says, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to get baptized. So baptism doesn't save you. It's our, it's our saving faith in Jesus. But if you have put your faith in Christ, that's, an, that's a step that we're commanded. Be baptized. Every single one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be filled with the Spirit. In Jerusalem, they had tons of these. You could do them with like, it, this would be awesome if we had one of these. We could do all 20 of you at the same time. Be like, on your market set, splash. And it's all done. If you were wealthy, you could have one of these in your home. And in fact, that tells us in archaeology where, where all of these are. But really, at the end of the day, we're talking about us for baptism. What does it mean to us? And this is what I want you to catch. Paul says it in the book of Romans like this. Do you not know that all of you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Some of you in this place know what it's like to, for somebody to have owned your life, to have controlled your life inappropriately. Imagine being set free from a life of whatever, whether it's addiction, trafficking, any of those kind of things, and then to be able to be given a second chance and someone says, you're free, you're clean, you can live the way you want to. I imagine for a while you'd be looking over your shoulder wondering, like, are they coming back? Is that ab abusive situation coming back into my life? But the Bible says this, he with the sons that's free is free indeed. So in Peter, he says it like this. Because you, they formally, li listen to this, this is interesting. Two things they connect baptism to in the Old Testament. One of them is Noah. And the other one is the Exodus, which is kind of strange. But track me with this, because it's powerful. Talking about Noah, it says, the people, because they formally did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you as a, remo as a removal, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is he saying there? He's saying the same way that God looked at a wicked world and he was only able to find a handful of people and looked to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. And he said, I believe it. And he said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. He says, I don't know how to do it. And God said, Noah, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And he believed it and he turned his belief into action. Listen, he turned his belief 
into action. And then he began to work and to build so that when the flood came and it washed the world, Noah and the human race came out in newness of life with a fresh start and a new beginning. In other words, Jesus has come into the lives of these people who have given their, their light to him and have been baptized. And God has come in in the midst of a world that's surrounded with all kinds of opportunities for filth, all kinds of opportunities for death and destruction, all kinds of opportunities for vices. And instead they said, Lord, I'm not going to get this right, but you tell me what to do. And now you have the opportunity every day of your life to look at something and say, no. I'm going to walk in the direction of Jesus. And, and you might not get it perfect, but this is why it's so important to understand you cannot do Jesus without doing church. You need the family of God. You cannot do Jesus without doing his word because you're going to fill in all the wrong blanks in your thinking and ideas because your thoughts are not his thoughts. Your ways are not his ways. You need God's people, God's place, God's power, God's purpose in your life, God's word in your life, God's spirit in your life, and even God's people in your life. That's the way he set this thing up to work. And he does the same thing with, with water baptism, talking about Moses and walking through the Red Sea. He brought them out of slavery, brought them through a miracle, through water, untouched out the other side. But he said, as for your life moving forward, walk with me, trust me. The problem with the people in, in the story of Moses is that they had a trust problem. I don't know about you, but I struggle with trust because I know if it's left in my hands, I'll do it. But if I'm really gonna grow in, in God, I have to trust him. I have to, I have to relinquish trust because there are some things that are within my reach but they're outside of my grasp. And that's why we're called the body of Christ. That's why we do this whole thing together. And in fact, I love what it says in Galatians 3, 27, through 27, <laughs> that's real great, all right, 327 through 27, it's one verse, it says this, and I'm going to ask Boaz to come back as we close here, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as a whole too, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, not through birth, through faith, anybody see those three wonderful singing girls, they're running like frantic somewhere here, go get them, We're all children of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, Christ has put you have put you have not only been baptized into Christ, but you have put on Christ. In other words, it's not just me. I'm not in this alone. But I'm clothed in Christ. Have you ever gone out shopping for that that wedding dress, that tuxedo, that new outfit? that new school clothing and you just put it on and you're just like, man, I just, I feel great. That's, that's what we do in baptism. That's what God sees in us. He's clothed us in Christ. And I'm pretty grateful because I kind of look like a, a pauper with holes in my clothes and stains all over the place. That's the best that I can offer God. But he goes on and he closes off with this thought here that I want to leave with you in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Galatians. It says, for we were all baptized in one spirit so as to form one body, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. What does that tell me? That tells me that although we may not be from the same earthly family, we all come from the same heavenly father. I'm gonna ask the girls to come up here as you, you walk up one more time. I wanna ask you a question. I am not called to speak to politics in Washington, D.C. I am not to speak to politics in other churches. I believe that every single one of you in here probably votes very differently. But when it, what I am called to speak to is, is to the kingdom of God. And you're looking at it. Boaz is different from me. I'm different from Nettie. Nettie's different from Janet, and we could go on and on and on. My son over there, although I'm his earthly father, he still has a heavenly father, and we are one in Christ. I don't, I, and listen, wherever you fall on different things, I had lots of friends asking me, where do you fall on this issue? You know, where, what, what, what matters here? Do blue lives matter? Do black lives matter? Do, do, and we have actually a Korean friend of ours that serves on staff here, Sam, who is in the, the baptismal tub that was there. We had a, a restaurant in our town that serves the best L23 in, in the Merrimack Valley and some five, four, four different, I think it was like a couple of cars. I can at least say two. I don't want to exaggerate. On two different days, drove through the lobby of that as just like a hate crime. I don't want to speak to politics. I want this to speak and say, listen, if you are walking through life and you're paying attention to all of the politics and you're missing the fact that that's not what we're called to, we're called to the culture of heaven and the kingdom of God. There is no slave nor free, no male, no female, nor white, nor black, nor Asian. All are one in Christ. And I'm saying this online too, for those of you that are, are voices for the kingdom of God, it's time that you, you, you began to focus, follower of Christ, friend, former Bible college student, former colleague and professor, it's time we put our attention on what this is all about. It's about Jesus. Injustice is wrong. Racism is wrong. But Martin Luther King said, do not judge somebody by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. And if you judge me because I'm white and say that I'm racist because of my color, you're, that's racism. This is not a place of racism and it's not a place of race. It is the place of the kingdom of heaven and all are one in Christ. All are one in Christ. This is the family of God and this is what matters. Now, as we close here, before we started, uh, Robbie, I know you're here. I think I see your silhouette. If you could walk here real quick, just to the edge of the stage. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. Robbie's been coming here for a while. I believe you are in the, the Army, and you're a professional weightlifter. There's a tradition within the Navy SEALs and in Special Forces, and they call it Don't Ring Out. And if you're in that training, it's some of the most elite training in the face of the earth, and every single person that thinks they're strong enough realizes that they're probably not cracked out for it. But the one thing that they do after every challenge, when they're brought to the edge of hypothermia and they're brought to the edge of giving up, they say, just ring the bell, just ring out, just ring out. And you have to go up to it and ring it three times. And if you do, you quit. And your chance to be in the elite special forces is gone forever. That bell will always exist for every single one of you to ring out for Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that his grace will take us back again and again. 
But the world needs soldiers. The world needs men of God, not perverts. The world needs men of God, not cowards. The world needs somebody to defend the weak and stand up for the strong. And I just, I just felt led when I was in my office to say that nobody would appreciate this more than you. And you just hang this, you hold it, that's yours to keep. And never ring out, bro. Never ring out. And I thank him for his service. If you're here and you're, and you're in the military or you've served in the military, would you stand? Would you stand, those of you that served in the military? Thank you for your service. And as we close here, I want to say this. I want to say this, that you are soldiers in Christ. In the first century world, it was said that you were to call Caesar Lord, which meant that every time you said Jesus is Lord, you were indirectly saying, and you, Caesar, are not, which was punishable by death. The early church did what we did today at the cost of their own life. But the way that I see it is that if Jesus gave his life in a hostile time, I can give my love, my sweat, my fruit, my faithfulness, even my fear into the direction like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you is this, church. Never, ever ring out. Be a faithful soldier of Christ. Let's let these young ladies bless us in one more song as we stand and uh, as we depart here.